And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello everybody, what's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Michael Beller and Al Melchior here with you on Sunday, July 25th to run through fab and waivers for the week ahead. Al sitting in for Derek Van Riper, who is uh, getting ready to make a big move. It's uh, something about this uh, fantasy baseball podcast, Al. You made a big move earlier in the year from west to east. Derek is now making a move from, I mean, technically east to west, but midwest to west. It's like I'm the only one who's just staying put all all, all season long. It's uh, it's been it's been a busy year, huh? Well, it looks like uh, you're due next to maybe go north to south. I don't know. <laughs> just complete the full the full compass for us exactly. on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. right? We're going to do a full compass worth of a 360-degree look at the fab and waiver landscape for you here today. You guys know how we do this. Hitters, pitchers, two-star pitchers, and relievers. And so let's start, Al, with the hitters. Um, obviously, we know that this is going to be a, a very big week in, this, uh, in the baseball world with the trade deadline coming up at the end of the week. And so some things are going to change. Some guys are going to be maybe more interesting because of the trades, less interesting interesting because of the trades, and maybe some guys that you should get out in front of right now while you can. This one guy who we're going to start off with, though, I think he's going to hold interest, and it's Brandon Marsh. Um, got called up by the Angels uh, earlier this week. Uh, a little bit of a slow start to his career, 217, 250, 261, and 24 plate appearances. There's going to be playing time for him when Mike Trout does indeed make his return, whenever that might be. Uh, where and how deeply are you interested in Brandon Marsh? I, I'm starting with 14-team leagues. I'm not quite ready to pick up Marsh or attempt to pick him up in 12-team leagues just yet. And a lot of that really just has to do with the performance of Triple Ace uh, that he had earlier this year. Um, just a, a WRC plus, just uh, barely above 100. So... In other words, you know, kind of an average year for him. I understand small sample. He was injured earlier in the year, so maybe that's not entirely fair. But I think also when you factor in, you know, the adjustment to the major leagues that we've seen with so many of the rookie hitters this year, I just can't get really excited about trying to add him everywhere. So for me, it's edging more towards the deeper leagues for Brandon Marsh. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also think that even though I think there's going to be time for him when Trout returns, but not necessarily every day sort of time with uh with just with what that team's going to be looking at when Trout is back. So I think that's I think that's a fair place to start with him and um and, you know we you know in 12 teamers we can see where we're at on Brandon Marsh in a week or two weeks or whatever the case might be, but um definitely a, a guy who should be drawing plenty of interest in those 14 and 15 team mixers. There's a lot of ceiling here even though the uh, AAA numbers didn't fully show it and we know that the Angels brought him up in what's going to be another lost season for this franchise uh, to see what he's got and to see if he can start you know, making the transition to being an everyday player for them. So going to be an interesting guy to watch over the next couple of months. Paven Smith, here's one of those guys who I think Al could be getting a playing time boost in the very near future. He's been playing, you know, enough for the Diamondbacks this season. He's been on and off our fantasy radar, maybe more on than off, depending on the size of your league. I guess the flip side of that is shallower leagues. He's been more off than on, but pretty much across the fantasy landscape, he's been a name that has been discussed this season, partially because of his play, partially because of the opportunity, and the latter seems incredibly likely to increase over this next week. Eduardo Escobar has been uh, one of the earliest players rumored, and we were talking about trade rumors with Eduardo Escobar as far as six or eight weeks ago. He seems incredibly likely to be playing baseball elsewhere by the end of this week. Cole Calhoun could be in that tra- on that train as well, and I feel like if either of these guys, and certainly if both of them end up out of Arizona, we're going to be looking at Paven Smith as basically an everyday player. Uh, what do you see for him should he become an everyday player in terms of fantasy? interest 
you know, it doesn't really change that much for me because it's it's really it's a two sided coin that I think he's going to get more play. And again, not that playing time has been a huge issue for Smith for a lot of the season, mm-hmm. but that becomes more dependable. He takes probably a more consistently prominent role in the Diamondbacks lineup, but then who's left around him? <laughs> so it kind of evens out. So for me, Smith is somebody that I might look at to try to stream in, in 12 team leagues at some point, but in terms of taking action now, right before the trade deadline, I don't really see the need to do it. Dalton Varsho is going to be one of those guys who is left around him. We can talk about him too. Homer's in three straight games. He's got four straight multi-hit games and also feels like another guy who, if and when these trades go down, is going to have his playing time solidified. Are you any more interested in him with that potential bump on the horizon? Oh, I definitely am. I, I see a different situation here. You know, part of it is that with uh, Paven Smith, we've gotten an opportunity to see what he can do at the major league level with Dalton Varsho. I think we can still project our hopes and dreams onto him. So, uh, I, I, you know, there is some upside there, uh, you know, both in terms of power and speed. And so and he's also uh, more available as well. So, yeah, I'm looking to add him in 14 and 15 teamers. Definitely have him on the watch list in, in 12 teamers in any kind of two catcher format. Yeah, he feels like the sort of guy who, I mean, even without these trades happening, with uh, without Escobar, without Calhoun potentially being shipped out of here because of that catcher eligibility, and just this little short-term uh, boom that he's having uh, this weekend, mostly against the Cubs with these uh, games with three or three straight games with homers and four straight multi-hit games. I mean, you're seeing uh, maybe the ceiling start to shine through for Dalton Varsho. But like I said, I mean, these trades. They, it, it's it. We can't sit here and say with 100% certainty that they're going to happen, but we can say with about 95% certainty that they're going to happen. It would be a shock if Eduardo Escobar was still a Diamondback in August, and that's just going to open up some doors to playing time for some guys here, even if they don't play the exact same position, just with the way this team's going to move things around. And when you're 40 games under, or whatever the Diamondbacks are exactly, you got to see what the future might hold, and Dalton Varsho can be a big part of that future. Another team that is likely sellers are those Chicago Cubs, who the Diamondbacks are playing this weekend. Nico Horner had pretty much played his way into everyday status before he went on the IL for six-ish weeks, whatever that was exactly, with the hamstring strain. He's back in the Cubs lineup. This team is going to be making some trades this week. I don't know if he's necessarily affected by those trades. Obviously, if Chris Bryant goes, if somehow Anthony Rizzo goes, which I don't think is anywhere near as likely as Chris Bryant going, then, you know, there's just more time available. But Horner had basically turned himself into this team's everyday second baseman. He's hitting 301, Al. He's got a 365 OBP. There's not a ton of power here. There's really no power here to speak of. The big thing for him, though, is that if these trades do happen, if Bryant plus end up getting shipped out of Chicago, he could be locked into the top of the order. And so that changes things. That's really where the big change is for him in fantasy. Where and how much are you interested in Nico Horner? Well, not to be too repetitive here, but uh, I think because of that lack of power, I don't see a need for him in the 12-teamers. So really anything deeper than that. We all can use uh, somebody who can hit for average. Horner, Horner uh, should be doing that reliably. So, uh, yeah, 14 team and deeper. I definitely want him on my roster if I can get him. Yeah, it's going to be – he's also got the uh, the multi-positional uh, versatility, which is very nice to see. But um, that uh, the bump to the top of the order, I think, is really where he would maybe get a little bit more uh, value. If he can be a consistent one or two hitter for this team, which could be in the cards, especially if Bryant is the one who's moved, um, then that could be there for him. Patrick Wisdom, someone we've talked about. His playing time would be a little bit safer should uh, Bryant get moved, and that's another one that feels incredibly likely to happen. And he's the guy who I think would get the biggest playing time boost, even though Bryant's been playing a ton of outfield with Patrick Wisdom at third. Matt Duffy is now back off the IL, and he was playing a lot of third base before he went on it. So Bryant getting traded would open up some real playing time avenues for Patrick Wisdom. We know how streaky he is. We know how strikeout prone he is, but the power seems legit. Where are you at on Wisdom going into this weekend here? I still think probably more of a streamer for 12-team leagues, uh, but that power is enticing. If he gets locked in like he was earlier this year or even just somewhere close to that, then he certainly re-enters the uh, the 12-team discussion, but needs to be rostered everywhere else for sure. Yeah, that power is just, I mean, it's for real. And he did it in the minors too before this. And, you know, 29 years old, and he's not going to suddenly become this, uh, you know, he's not a late bloomer uh, exactly. But 
14 homers in 155 plate appearances on the season, even with those strikeouts being a major issue, 63 Ks against 10 walks. You like that power, and you can believe in that power. If you can live with the strikeouts, Patrick Wisdom is going to be playing pretty much every day for the Cubs Excuse me, the rest of the way. Uh, Paul DeYoung, let's get to someone who, um, who we know very well in the fantasy baseball world. Paul DeYoung had really fallen off the map, a, a brutal start to the season, dealing with some injuries, and just really poor play, I mean, frankly. And with the deepening of the shortstop pool, you were seeing Paul DeYoung get dropped in plenty of fantasy leagues, and he has quietly turned a corner since June 22nd. He is slashing 289, 386, 513 with five homers in 88 plate appearances, 25% uh, wa- uh, strikeout rate. You can live with that, a 9.1% ra- walk rate. You definitely like to see that. So Paul DeYoung really seems to be getting back to the player who we've known over the last few seasons and done it. Over a month-long sample with the All-Star break mixed in. Uh, if DeYoung is available, is he an auto-go-after sort of player for you? Pretty Well, you know, I wouldn't say auto, but certainly in play for 12-team leagues. Probably not 10-teamers. But in a situation, uh, for example, like one I have where I've got Jazz Chisholm on the, on the DL, he might be my best available option at shortstop or middle infield. So in a situation like that, uh, I'm certainly interested at least to write out this uh, power streak, if nothing else. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, man. We've, we've seen so much of Paul DeYoung. Let me, uh, I just want to pull up something really quick. We just, we've seen so much of him that the, even though he is clear, has clearly been a flawed player, even in you know his um, some of his better seasons, the 2019 season when he was an All Star and hit 30 homers, yeah, you know, just a 233 batting average and a 318 OBP. Like we know what Paul DeYoung's flaws are, but we know what his strengths are too. 25 homers as a rookie, 19 homers in just 115 games played in 2018. Then he had the 30 homer season. Like the guy, pretty consistently hits for above average power, especially for a middle infielder, even in the era that we live in now. So I think this power, like. To me, it's not a – I don't think this is a short-term power surge. I think this is him getting back to the power that he, he really has owned his entire major league career. So I feel like I'm maybe a little bit more bullish on on DeYoung than you are. Not saying I would necessarily be going after him in 10-teamers, but I think 12 and above, very easy to get on board with Paul DeYoung and feel pretty confident that he's going to be this sort of player. Maybe not 289, 386, but I think the 513, I think that's there for Paul DeYoung the rest of the season with – 250, 350, 240, 340, something along those lines. I could buy from Paul DeYoung the rest of the season. Uh, let's get to another shortstop here, Al. Miguel Rojas. Jazz Chisholm out. Your guy, Jazz out. And so Miguel Rojas has moved back to the top of the lineup here. There's some sneaky speed. He's uh, 8 for 9 on stolen bases on the season. In the month of July, he's hitting 316, 361, 421. Again, a guy who's not going to have a ton of power, but can get on base and can make use of his speed when he gets on base at the top of the lineup. Give him an extra plate appearance per game. I think there's a lot to like here if you uh, have some specific categorical need. I think that's exactly right, Michael. Not somebody that you just want to plug in in a shallower league um, because he's just not going to give you enough all-around production. But yeah, the situation is right for Rojas. And these are skills. You talked about DeYoung uh, and and the power skills that he's demonstrated over the course of his career. Hitting for average and showing some speed, these are things that Rojas has done in the past. So I think that you can rely on those uh, categorical needs being filled by him and uh, doing so in 14-teamers and deeper. Yeah, I think that's fair. 14 and deeper is where I would be looking for him as well. But we love these guys. We love that we talk about these fringe guys, these guys who pop up, who are, um, you know, on waiver podcasts on July 25th for a reason, right? I mean, let's let's be honest about it. We are more than uh, we're we're two thirds of the way through the season. Almost. There's a reason why we're talking about these guys uh, as waiver guys this late in the year. Uh, But you like that you have these guys who can reliably do what you're asking them to do. Miguel Rojas can reliably get on base and steal bases. Paul DeYoung can reliably hit home runs. If that's what you're going after, you're probably not going to be disappointed. And that's really all you can ask for from 98% of waiver guys at this stage of the season. Jake Berger, our next guy up here, started five of six games before the weekend series in Milwaukee. Uh, The White Sox are going to be, I I think, a a team really to watch both this week with maybe how active they are in the trade deadline and then after with how they bring along Aloy Jimenez 
and Luis Robert. Aloy Jimenez much closer to making his return to the big league club than Robert. And as I've said a few times, both those guys, and I think especially Robert in this case, you know, maybe the White Sox soft or uh, slow play it with them because of the fact that they're pretty much running away with the AL Central. This team needs health in October more so than in August. Excuse me. So it'll just be interesting to see how they handle all these different roster needs. And part of that is Jake Berger and how he factors in to the playing time mix. He was doing plenty of that before the series at Milwaukee. And then of course they lose the DH when they go to the NL park. So that explains why we haven't seen him very much over the weekend. But uh, the guy's hitting the ball hard, and we'll uh, we'll qualify this with the fact that he's only hit 12 fly balls in line drives so far this season, but he's got a 101.8 uh, mile-per-hour exit velocity on those flies and liners. So when he squares it up, even if it's just 12 times, he squares it up pretty well. We know that pop can be there for him. We know what this White Sox lineup environment can provide. How are you looking at Berger in the fantasy context, and how does the White Sox context around him uh, influence the way you're thinking about him? Well, there, because of that context, there's just so much uncertainty here. But So this is a really very specific situation, but if you are in a 12-team league where you've got some some bench spots that you can afford to fill, players maybe that you can afford to drop, I don't mind stashing Berger uh, in in a league like that. Like he's not not just looking for him in like the fifteen team leagues because, like you mentioned, in that extremely small sample, a lot of power that also reflects back on the power that he he has shown in the minor leagues, and it's such an extreme, <laughs> uh, such an extreme outcome in that small sample. I mean, if it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he's averaged ninety five, ninety six miles an hour on a dozen batted balls. You know, okay, regression brings that down to kind of a normal or maybe a below normal level. But I mean, these are like Stanton, you know, Nelson Cruz kind <laughs> of numbers in a tiny sample. So if he regresses, maybe, you know, he's still just a really good power hitter. So I'm willing to take the chance on both that being sustained enough and on him continuing to get, continuing to get playing time after the White Sox return back to the American League parks. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you, and um, you know this is a team that because of the injuries has been, you know maybe not playing to its uh, offensive expectations, and they still are dealing with some of those. So I could see uh, Berger being a pretty regular guy for this team when they're back in American League parks. Uh, last up on the hitter side is a guy who has turned himself into a regular at least over the last week. It's Greg Allen with the Yankees, and yeah, you know, what's interesting here, Al, is that. The Yankees have been so disappointing this season, and we've seen them sort of play a different brand of baseball. And that it's a brand of late that is, and it's a brand that plays very well to Greg Allen's strengths. He has made seven straight starts uh, since joining the team. Four steals, Al, in those seven games. Uh, we know this team has injuries. We know this team still has multiple players, including Aaron Judge on the COVID list. Guys are going to be returning. The question, I think, isn't. What can Allen do right now? I think we know what he can do right now. He's pretty much playing every day until things change, and he's going to be a guy who provides a lot of speed. That was true of him in Cleveland. That's true for him right now. The question, I think, really is, is this purely a short-term ad, or is there a way in which Greg Allen, because of the way the Yankees maybe need to change their team on the fly, is something of a long-term regular for this team the rest of the season? Well, I suspect that this is going to be a short-term situation for Allen, and if you're certainly banking on him for the longer term, the season you're taking a risk. And it's a risk I don't think you need to take because there's a player with a pretty similar profile who should play a lot from here on out to the very end of the season, and that's Derek Hill uh, with the Tigers. So if I've got both available and I have these specific needs to fill, uh, you know, particularly uh, batting average, runs scored, uh, stolen bases, especially stolen bases. Mm-hmm. I'd rather throw in my lot with Derek Hill. But, you know, that said, if you can have two of these players, <laughs> there's <laughs> nothing wrong with getting Greg Allen uh, for however long this lasts. But I'm just saying that uh, I would pr- prioritize Derek Hill first. Yeah, Derek Hill, someone we talked about last week, and he does feel like the sort of guy who uh, is going to have plenty of playing time. He's pretty much already getting it. Again, we t- I mean, every time we bring up Robbie Grossman's name on this show, it's like, yeah, Robbie Grossman's getting traded, and it still hasn't happened yet. <laughs> we, it's, it, it feels like it should happen. It feels like it's going to happen, and uh, that'll just further entrench Derek Hill's playing time, but it feels relatively entrenched already. He does seem like the more long-term fit for this brand of player, Greg Allen. More of a short-term thing, especially with all those guys that the Yankees have coming back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, now let's jump over to the pitcher side of things here. I want to start with Rich Hill just because he got traded from AL to NL going from the Rays to the Mets. If you're in an NL only league, what's the sort of bid on Rich Hill? I'm not emptying the bank on this one because Hill hasn't really been very effective of late. And so I just would hate to, uh, you know, cash out on, on somebody that maybe is, is going to be inferior to somebody who's available next weekend. So, uh, over the last seven starts, Hill's got a 5.40 ERA with a uh, 28 to 16 strikeout to walk ratio and seven home runs allowed, uh, in 33 in the third inning. So those are all ratios that you don't really want to see. And I don't have that much faith that Hill's going to turn it around. We've certainly seen it from him numerous times and he does get a favorable pitching environment, uh, in City Field and in some of the uh, even some of the visiting parks that, uh, in the NL East, but yeah, I, I think I'm going probably. It's you know this time of year. I mean, so many of us have our our, our accounts depleted, but right. uh, you know, like probably no more than ten percent. Okay, I think I would go a little higher. I guess you know what in my in instinctually, I would say I go a little higher. I think really what it comes down to is how pitching needy I am. I, he's yeah. he's the sort of player where you combine the track record with what he's done this season, and there's he he gets down to a a need. He becomes a necessity sort of player. And so if I am pitching needy, maybe I bump it up to eighteen percent. If I'm not pitching needy, but I could just use an arm, maybe I bump it even down from what you said to seven or eight percent, which probably doesn't get him in an NL only format. But I think that's really where he's not he's not good enough to where he should be gone after no matter what. And he's not bad enough to where he should be ignored, even if you feel totally set at the pitching position. I think he sort of lives in that murky area where how much you need some pitching help at this stage of the season is going to drive how interested you are in Rich Hill as you're making your bids later today. Uh, Josiah Gray maybe is someone who has a little bit more um, widespread interest just because of the ceiling that we can believe in, like you said uh, earlier with, wait a minute, don't tell me, don't tell me, uh, uh, Dalton Varsho, that's right. Um, we can p- still project all our greatest hopes and desires onto Dalton Varsho in a way we can't for Paven Smith. We can still project all our greatest hopes and desires onto, jo- onto Josiah Gray in a way we can't for Rich Hill. And so even though uh, the first outing for Josiah Gray wasn't the best, gave up three homers, uh, four runs, four hits, you know, just had a trouble with the long ball, but on the good side, seven strikeouts against one walk in four innings. Dodgers haven't officially said this, I believe, but he is expected to start on Tuesday against the Giants. Uh, again, same question I've asked you a few times. Where are you interested and in how deep is that interest? Uh, well, I'm definitely interested in Gray in a, a wide swath of leagues. I don't expect that if I do roster him that I'm, I'm going to be starting him every time out because I think that home run risk is something that's not just an artifact of, uh, you know, nerves in his first major league start or his first major, major league appearance, I should say. But, um, you know, certainly a ton of upside there. So be happy to have him in 12 team leagues and, uh, monitor him for maybe the next start and looking at the matchups uh, ahead uh, and, and dealing with him on a start-by-start basis. Yeah, let's see, actually. Let me pull that up. So assuming he does make that start against the, the Giants on Tuesday and sticks in the rotation, he would be in line for... Come on, Dodgers, where are you? He would be in line for... I mean, I guess you know with, with what they've got, they can mess with things. If he does get the second start, he would be going against Arizona. Over the weekend, if he didn't get the second start this week, he would probably be looking at a matchup with Houston uh, next week to start the week. And hey, that's a great little two gamer between the Dodgers and the Astros. But uh, so let's hope let's hope for that. Let's hope for a two start week this week. And we're talking about him getting the Giants tough matchup to start the week and then a very soft landing spot against the p- 
post-trade deadline Diamondbacks uh, over the weekend. Let's uh, let's hope that that's what Josiah Gray gets this week because we could be talking, if that is what he gets this week, Al, we could be talking about him as a much more expensive player in the waiver market a week from now. Uh, moving on to our next pitcher, look, We just have to mention Patrick Sandoval here because his roster rates across the fantasy baseball landscape remain just shockingly low. Not in some of the industry leagues that you and I play in, Al, but if you look on Yahoo, CBS, just uh, public leagues like that, just Joe Public sort of leagues, he's still widely available. This guy almost threw a no-hitter over the weekend. He has proved time and time and time again what his value can be in the fantasy world. Is there any league, 10-teamer, any league at all where you're not interested in Patrick Sandoval? No, there's there's no league uh, where I would uh, be hesitating to roster Patrick Sandoval or, or hesitating to start him. And I'm a little bummed out about the near no-hitter because maybe that is what it takes to raise his profile. <laughs> maybe this is the weekend where he finally uh, starts disappearing off those waiver lists. But uh, I've had a bid, uh, I think going back to Monday or Tuesday, that I've had in one of my CBS 12 teamers <laughs> just sitting there. Might have to up the did bid you, a little bit. Yeah, did you bump it up after after the near no-hitter? Or- <laughs> Not yet, but I'll definitely need to do that. Probably going to be driving that price up just a little bit after he uh, put his name in lights in that way over the weekend. Eric Lauer is someone you and I talk about pretty much every single day that he starts uh, on Fantasy Baseball in 15. He makes our streaming section on that show anytime he takes the mound, and with good reason. And uh, If you've been streaming him over the last month, you're very happy. Over his last four starts, a .77 ERA, 1.03 whip. You don't love the 10 walks uh, against 19 strikeouts and 23 and a third. He's been getting in and out of trouble, and we got to be honest about the opponents, Pittsburgh, Colorado, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. Not exactly a murderer's row of opponents he's faced in those four starts. His next start, however, is at Pittsburgh, so we know it's going to be a good start there. Is he more than a streamer, Al, or is this just a matchup sort of guy? I think Lauer is a streamer, but he's got a lot of streamable starts. So uh, on some level, that that's not you know necessarily a derogatory term or, or anything that should discourage you, certainly from going out and trying to pick him up uh, for this coming week. Yeah, that's a really nice matchup uh, at Pittsburgh. And it's interesting because, yeah, you noted all the walks, but he's really neutralized that because over those last four starts, he hasn't given up a single barrel. So I'll take that uh, as long as he can keep that up and good chance he can keep it up for at least one more start. Here's something else you'll take, Al. The Brewers, uh, after an off day Monday, they got a three-gamer in Pittsburgh, of which Lauer will pitch the finale. Then they go to Atlanta. Obviously, since he pitches the finale against Pittsburgh, he misses the Braves over the weekend, and then they return home to face the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Eric Lauer's next two starts coming against the Pirates. Not a bad time to add him and have him for at least two relatively soft turns. One more pitcher before we just talk about the two-star guys for this coming week. Uh, It's uh, Kyle Freeland and another guy who has been very good of late. Over his last six starts, a 2.06 ERA, 30 strikeouts against seven walks in 35 innings. He's given up two homers. He's given up just three barrels on 98 batted ball events. This next start that's coming up for him, it's a tough one. Thursday at San Diego. Don't mind the park. Don't love the matchup. Don't love the uh, lineup that he's going up against. But does Kyle Freeland, at the very least, make the radar for you as a pitch-and-ditch guy this week? Or does he go even beyond that, someone you would be willing to keep around beyond this week? I would say yes and yes. Uh, I'm even going to try to pick him up for my 12-teamer this week. One of my 12-teamers, anyway. And, uh, yeah, I think there's appeal here beyond that. I don't think that... Freeland is beyond uh, sitting with a particularly tough matchup. I'm still not sure whether or not this one against the Padres will will qualify, but I'll add him, or at least try to add him to my roster first and then deal with that question later. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, he's uh, really succeeded over this six-start stretch uh, against really a a mix of opponents in terms of quality. So he might just be fine for this uh, upcoming start in San Diego. Yeah, no, uh, nothing locked in, of course, beyond this week. And the Rockies are one of those teams who we expect to be active as sellers. So maybe the maybe John Gray gets shipped out and maybe the rotation gets shuffled a little bit. But just with where things stand right now after the Padres this week, he would get the Cubs next week in what would also be a one-start week for him, assuming things stay exactly on schedule. If somehow he got moved up, and which could happen because they have an off day Monday, he would be looking at a two-start week against the Cubs and the Marlins with both of those starts coming at Coors Field. 
two start pitchers here, Al. Let's uh, let's run through some of these guys. We'll give some attention to the guys who have some of the bigger names, and then at the end, we'll just group some guys together and talk about if we want them at all. First, let's start out with Freeland's teammate, Austin Gomber, still available enough to, for us to talk about as a two-start streamer in the waiver show. At the Angels and at San Diego are the two starts that Gomber gets this week, a guy who we seem to talk about all the time whenever his name comes up in this way. How interested are you in him uh, taking this two-step? Uh, I'm really interested. I mean, I really parsed that w- uh, one start that he made coming off of the IL. It was really a mixed bag. Not very many swings and misses or strikeouts. But uh, overall, the peripherals looking pretty good for Gomber. And, and I took a little bit of sauce in the fact that the success that he's had earlier in the year has not really been ba- based on getting batters to swing and miss. It's been more getting them to just uh, take called strikes. So... Uh, I think that the the skills are there intact, and uh, it's it's kind of a tough two step. But uh, I think uh, until he proves proves otherwise, that Gomber is is a must start for two start weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I do think he's a must start for two start weeks. I would maybe pull back off that if it was like a you know an, an Astros Dodgers week that the sure. uh, Rockies were facing down, but. You know, most weeks are not Astros-Dodgers weeks, so uh, I think that we can get on board with him here. Almost certainly Dodgers Mike Trout, unless we uh, get some great news on Trout tomorrow. Uh, So uh, feeling good about Austin Gomber this week. Uh, Feeling pretty good about Jordan Montgomery, I think, too, Al. Starts the week with a tough matchup uh, against a Rays team that just added Nelson Cruz, but then gets a softer spot over the weekend against Miami, a start in which you would definitely want him active. Is there any way that the Tampa start overrules the Miami start for you and you're staying away from him, or are you totally cool taking it? Or, hey, do you just not even mind the Tampa matchup whatsoever? I mind it a little bit, but I think for somebody of Montgomery's caliber that uh, it's got to be a pretty bad uh, two start week, really, with both starts being tough matchups. This is clearly not the case with this one. So uh, for me, I really don't have to think twice about starting Montgomery. Uh, these are the two guys who, if available to me, seem like the two best two start pitchers out there. If they're both out there in your league, who are you prioritizing? Definitely Gomber. Definitely Gomber. Definitely Gomber. Yeah. Now I, I think there's there's been more consistency there. For him than for, for Montgomery. And that race start does, I mean, great. Gomber's uh, matchups are not terrific, but that race start really does worry me uh, a little bit for Montgomery. Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, I, I think I lean Gomber, but definitely Gomber. Man, <laughs> biggest, biggest Austin Gomber fan in the world over here, Al Melchior. Maybe. Um, let's go to, uh, let's go to uh, the Minnesota Twins and Michael Pineda getting a couple of starts here. Love these matchups for Michael Pineda. Detroit, and St. Louis. Uh, the Detroit start is in Minnesota. The St. Louis start is on the road. Uh, these are two great matchups. We know what Michael Pineda is, but I think he can take advantage of these matchups. A pitch and ditch sort of guy for me in plenty of spots, but I really like these uh, these two spots that he's got. So I would be going after him if I need the pitching help this week. Yeah, to me, uh, he's definitely a notch below Gomber and Montgomery. The Tigers matchup is not as great as maybe we've gotten used to thinking. For the last month, they've been one of the better offenses in the majors, and you can you know read whatever you want into that and uh, <laughs> think of it as fluky or whatever. Uh, but the, the changes they've made to the lineup seem to be working. And uh, th- that said, I think that is a, a combination, uh, Detroit-St. Louis. That's certainly good enough for, for Michael Pineda. Yeah, definitely uh, somewhere where we're going to get him in. And yeah, the Tigers uh, uh, playing uh, some pretty hot baseball <laughs> over the last uh, couple of weeks here. So uh, even though they're going to be sellers, at least they're uh, they're giving their uh, team their their fans something to uh, be happy about with the way that they've been playing over these last couple of weeks. Spencer Watkins is going to get two starts for the Orioles this week. He's going to get the Marlins uh, to start the week, and then uh, the Orioles will be going to Detroit. Um, and taking on the Tigers over the weekend. Where does Spencer Watkins rate for you as a two-star pitcher? Uh, pretty well pull, below Pineda because overall, I mean, the matchups are kind of on par. Uh, I mean, right now there's probably no better matchup than facing the Marlins. But uh, again, he's got that Tigers matchup that's not necessarily a cakewalk. And, and Watkins, I'm just not so sure about the skill set at this point. I mean, you really have to rely on him to be able to induce some soft contact because he's not a huge swing and miss guy. Uh, there's nothing in the skill set that really stands out to me. So I am almost certainly passing even with these matchups. Yeah, I think I am too. I felt like the the matchups required us to talk about him and the fact that he's just really stuck in Baltimore's rotation. Um, so we've seen a little bit of him. I felt like just we had to be comprehensive here and complete the circle and talk about him. But I agree with you. With, with the other options that we have, I do think that 
you're probably not going to have to reach so far down to Spencer Watkins to find a two-star pitcher that you like this week. And if you do, maybe that's telling you uh, if you should even reach that far. Edward Alzali is someone who, for example, I would be going after before Spencer Watkins. And Edward Alzali was someone who I thought we were really sort of off in the stream world because of the fact that he pitched himself out of it. And it seems as though he's fallen back into it. Homers have been an issue for him this season. I, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't even know if these numbers exist, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had the highest number of like 4.50 ERA with a lower than one whip start this season, because he just, he, he cruises and then he gives up, you know, like single walk Homer. And suddenly what was looking like a sterling start is one you're still happy with, but falls apart a little bit at the end. And we've seen that a handful of times from Adbert Alzali, but he's going to get two starts for the Cubs this week. He'll start out the week at home against Cincinnati, and then the Cubs head to D.C. to take on the Nationals. That's his second start of the week. If Alzali is available in your leagues, Al, how much are you going after him for this two-step? Uh, pretty hard. It's really more just for the fact that I think that Alzali is somebody that I could just start pretty steadily uh, from here on out. But you, you really summarized uh, his his recent stretch pretty well. It's a little frustrating. Uh, I wish these matchups were a little less daunting. If this were at Cincinnati, at Washington, I might hesitate to start him this mm-hmm. week. But uh, with the one home start, I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good way to look at it. And um, and, and someone who. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him the rest of the season. Obviously, he's going to be, you know, crushing any career highs of innings thrown and pitches thrown and starts made and all that. And, you know, a guy who has had some really bright moments this season, a guy who the Cubs are going to be counting on to be, you know, key piece for their next good contending team. So it'll be interesting to see how they treat him. Uh, what he's able to do as the arm gets maybe a little bit more fatigued and just how he uh, once, you know, he's facing the same teams over and over and over again, what sort of adjustments are made. But definitely like him for this week. Uh, is it me or do, or Mike, do Mike Miner and Brad Keller make like an outsized number of two-start weeks? It feels like every other time we're talking on this show, we're talking about these guys. And they both somehow have two-start weeks every week. It, it's crazy. I'm not even really thinking about Keller. Uh, I, the matchups would barely matter for me to think about him, but – White Sox in Toronto is who the Royals have this week. You can maybe talk me into minor if you miss out on some of these other guys and you want the innings. You're maybe you're you're down. You're buried in the ratio categories in your league, so it doesn't really matter to you anyways. But those are two tough matchups. White Sox to start the week. That one is in Kansas City, and then they go uh, on the road to take on the Blue Jays. I assume you're on the same boat as me when it comes to Keller. Are you thinking about minor at all as a two-star pitcher, even with these matchups? Oh, no, no. I want nothing to do with Mike Miner this week. And it's funny. And you're right about uh, him and, and Keller with the two-start weeks. Uh, maybe it's just selective memory on both of our parts. But where, where I thought you were going with that was, uh, does it seem like Mike Miner and Brad Keller like did a body swap or something? Because Keller's actually been been better uh, than Miner of late. But uh, yeah, I, either one. In this case, it's Miner. Uh, I will pass. Thank you. Yeah, way too tough of matchups for these guys uh, to rate as two-star pitchers that you want to be going after on waivers this week. Tyler Anderson maybe uh, maybe gets uh, the opposite side of that. The Pirates spend the entire week at home. They kick it off with the Brewers, and then they welcome the Phillies to PNC Park over the weekend. Can you get on board with Tyler Anderson as someone to chase on waivers? Probably not just given the other options. Maybe in a different week I could see in some of the thinner weeks that we've had in the last uh, couple of months where this might stand out as a a good opportunity. But uh, I I think the only thing that recommends it is that both starts are at home. But I think it's not quite enough. Yeah, I I think you diagnosed that one perfectly. The fact that we have some pretty good options on the two-start radar this week. And so it just seems unlikely that anyone in the two-start pool would have to go so far as to reach for Tyler Anderson as their go-to guy. I will say that if if I am as like let, I mean if I put in contingent bids for all these guys and I miss Gomber and I miss Montgomery and I miss Pineda and I miss Alzali, yeah, I could see myself going after Tyler Anderson as like my sixth option. Uh min bid live with whatever the results are because I'm not too afraid of these matchups even an improving Milwaukee lineup. It's just not not exactly two lineups that I'm too afraid of. So I, I could see going after him in that sort of scenario. Uh, we've got a group of guys here who, you know, are two-star pitchers this week. The matchups for some of them 
aren't necessarily terrible. Let's just look at them all as one big pool of guys and see if there's any that jump out at us as ones we would go after. Matt Manning is going to get the Twins in Minnesota to start the week and then the Orioles at home. Darren McCon is going to get the Astros to start the week and then goes to Texas to take on the Rangers. Logan Webb, you know what I think of Logan Webb, Al, but he does have that Dodgers-Astros week, so I think we're pretty easily staying away from him. Eric Fetty at the Nationals, or at the, he's on the Nationals, at the Phillies, <laughs> and then home for the Cubs. And Vladimir Gutierrez at the Cubs, at the Mets. Any of these five, and it can be more than one. You don't have to just pick one. Any of these guys rate to you as worthy two-star pitchers to chase on waivers? Uh, not in mixed leagues. Uh, I, I am intrigued by Manning since he's been better lately. Those are pretty decent uh, matchups. So maybe very deep mixed leagues and certainly AL only. If Manning's there, uh, I'd be taking a look at him. Uh, in deeper leagues, I think maybe I would roll with Logan Webb just because maybe he's tra- transcended the matchups. But then, I, as you know, as you know, I said this about Ross Stripling a week ago, and that did not work out. So, um, yeah, I, I'm certainly being cautious with Webb, but I think out of this group, he actually has the most appeal. I mean, he's the best pitcher out of this group. But even uh, with the matchups, hate, yeah, 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 you hate those, you hate those matchups. But he's definitely the best pitcher. He's like the one guy on this team, on, on this group of guys who you could have on your team for the rest of the season and be happy about not just a pure streamer, but you hate, 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 hate those matchups, especially if you're in a league uh, where you have to start people after you pick them up. So just something to think about there. Uh, A handful of guys, a quintet of guys that you can uh, think about chasing at your own risk, of course. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now let's get into relievers to wrap things up here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. In the reliever world, we're mostly thinking about guys who we can speculate on this week. There are going to be closers traded. We know that is going to happen. There are going to be guys who are not closing for their team now, who will be closing a week from now. And even though we all know this, even though the trade deadline is coming on Friday, those guys, those fill-in guys are going to be a whole lot more expensive to get on your team next week than they are if you can possibly get them today. So let's start out in Seattle. Paul Seawald is a guy who has made himself uh, known in the fantasy world over the last month or so. He's uh, been striking out a ton of batters really all season. Even with the Mariners competing, uh, surprise competing, do you think that he is the closer for this team August 1st? Do you think that even though they're sort of in the race, they ship out Kendall Graveman and that Paul Seawald closes for this team? I I don't know if they do ship out Kendall Graveman, but I I think the worst case scenario for Seawald is that he splits saves. And with uh, the other numbers he's been putting up, I'll take that. And in fact, uh, a week ago, I picked him up in both Tout Wars and TGFBI. And if he's still around anywhere else, I think he's definitely a worthy fab target. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about speculating on him is that, like, let's say the Mariners do decide to trade their relievers. Like, I suppose he's just as likely to be traded as Kendall Graveman with what he's done this season. And so... That would suck if you're speculating on him to be the Mariners' closer, but there's no reason to be like, well, 
uh, you know, maybe Graveman doesn't get traded and then blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, both these guys could go and Seawalt has proven himself to have value even when he's not close uh, saving games. So do think that he is someone worth going after right now. And hey, he could have that role to himself if he stays and Graveman goes. Colin McHugh, we know where he's going to be on August 1st. He's going to be be serving as quite possibly the best bulk reliever in May, in the majors with Tampa. I'm surprised that he hasn't caught on in more leagues, Al, because it's pretty reliable what we're seeing from him. He makes an appearance at the beginning of the week. He makes an appearance at the end of the week. He pitches two or three innings in each of those appearances, and he does really well. So he's giving you like, he's giving you like, a starter who can't quite go five innings reliably, but is awesome when he is out there. That's basically what Colin McHugh gives you over a week. I think there's a lot of value in a player like this. Where are you on McHugh? Yeah, no, I think he's got to be added pretty much anywhere he's still available. And as you noted, that's probably more than he probably should be at this point. So yeah, I think there's a ton of value in what McHugh's doing. Yeah, I want to uh, pull this up really quick just because it's, I feel like even even with the change in reliever usage over the last five seasons or so, the fantasy community has been a little bit slower than it should to adapt to guys like Colin McHugh. And we seem to you know we see a handful of these guys every season, and we just haven't quite gotten there. I mean, his last, I mean, yeah, this is I mean last last appearance two two shutout innings with one hit and three Ks. The one before that, two shutout innings. Two hits, two Ks. The one before that, two shutout innings, one hit, one K. The one before that, two shutout innings, totally clean, three Ks. Before that, three shutout innings, one hit, six Ks. I mean, he's doing that, and he does it twice a week, basically every week. He's like giving you he it's a he's like a short he's like a starter who's got a, a strict innings limit, and he's going to go four or five innings, and he's going to be great in those four or five innings. And if he just was a starting pitcher rather than a relief pitcher, I feel like his roster rate would be double already, triple already what it is. So go get. Colin McHugh, there's a lot of value in this guy, even if he's not saving any games or getting a ton of wins. He did, however, vulture a win. Uh, what was that, just earlier this week? Yeah, against the Orioles. Um, let's take a look at uh, our next guy here, or our next pair of guys. It's in Detroit, Michael Fulmer, Gregory Soto. Gregory Soto has been lights out for the Tigers of late as the closer. Michael Fulmer had been basically lights out before he went on the I.L., they're both going to be mentioned in trade talks. They are both. I'm sure the Tigers are taking calls on both of them right now. I would find it hard to believe that both are not in Detroit after the trade deadline. If you had to bet on one of these guys being a closer on August 1st, who would it be? Yeah, that's a really tough one. But since you're making me pick one, I would guess that <laughs> Soto is the more likely one to stay behind just because he's controllable for, controllable for considerably longer. So. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's been really terrific. He certainly raised his trade profile. Uh, but yeah, if I had to you know, speculate on which one's going, I would guess Fulmer. I would think that the Tigers would have to be not blown away. I mean, we're talking about a reliever, um, but with the way he's pitched and the fact that he's controllable, I think that you know this is not just like an easy throwaway trade. The way that they could probably justify trading Fulmer. So I'm with you. I think Soto's more likely to stay. I think Soto's more likely to be a closer on August 1st for the rest of the season because it's hard. As good as Fulmer pitched before he went on the IL. Hard for me to buy that an acquiring team would be doing so to make him a closer. Would feel like he would get more shifted into a setup role, and then his fantasy value would be basically zapped away. Finally, Al, we know this is going to be an active week. As we've said a few times, we have teams uh, like the Cubs with Craig Kimbrell, who is almost certainly going to get traded, like the Angels with Rysel Iglesias, who could potentially get traded. Richard Rodriguez, almost certainly going to be traded out of Pittsburgh. Yimi Garcia could get sent out of Miami. He's been a little shaky, but has stabilized a little bit of late and just got a save on Saturday. So when you look at this group of teams, is there anyone that you want to speculate on these teams? Is there anyone else that a team I didn't mention? Any closers in waiting that you're uh, planting a flag on as you're making your claims this week? Well, I feel like I've got to mention Mike Myers just because I drafted him, uh, you know, just for this, this purpose, basically, you know, way back in an AL only league. <laughs> uh, and I, I've been patient. I've rostered him the entire time. <laughs> it, he hasn't been as good this year as he was last year, but I, I still think that he's uh, a, a target. Uh, Bryce Iglesias goes, uh, could pick up a lot of saves. Uh, beyond that, uh, I think uh, Ryan Tapera, the uh, you know the Cy Young candidate from a year ago, <laughs> uh, <laughs> has a good chance to pick up some saves over the last MVP. two months. It was MVP. Or, I'm sorry, MVP. Young. Yeah, 
yeah. got that MVP, that stray MVP vote, whoever <laughs> the right. voter was act- was trying to vote for and accidentally punched to Perez's name. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> maybe a chance for uh, fireman of the year. I don't know. Uh, but I, I could see him getting some saves. He's been, been pretty effective. And, He's been very uh, effective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Bednar, I would mm-hmm. think, would be the first one up for saves yeah. in, in Pittsburgh. And uh, Anthony Bender would be my guess in Miami if they do, in fact, trade Jimmy Garcia, and it would make sense for them to do so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Myers and uh, Tapera would be my top targets. Yeah, so mine would be Myers and actually Bednar. The thing I would be afraid about in going with the Cubs is I could very easily see Kimbrel, Tapera, and Andrew Chafin all get shipped out. That's that that would be my hesitation. And so if we knew for sure if we knew for sure that it was just going to be Kimbrel, and Kimbrel is going to get traded. Um, I would love to go after Ryan Tapera because I think he'll be the closer should he remain with the Cubs, and he's been very good this season. I just think there's way more of a risk of him being also traded than David Bednar getting traded, excuse me, out of Pittsburgh. And so if I'm sitting here on July 25th speculating who is going to remain with their non-contending team and be a closer, I feel like Bednar has a better chance to be that guy, even though I think Tapera is just the better pitcher. So that's why I would lean in a pure save spe- speculating for closers scenario why I would rather go with Bednar and feel like there's just a better chance of him. I could easily see the Cubs sending all I mean, the, the Cubs have had. If you look at the, the seventh inning and on stats, the Cubs have been excellent because of that three headed monster of Tapera Chafin and Craig Kimbrell. The problem for the Cubs is that innings one through six haven't gone as well as they would have liked. But when they've had a lead going into the seventh, those three guys have typically locked things down for them, and I think that that's going to get them plenty of notice uh, in a world where there's a lot of contenders who would like to add some sort of relief arm. So that's what has me concerned about Tapera. We are in agreement that Myers probably the best guy to speculate on right now, and I think there's plenty of value in both Bednar and Bender as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast uh this show the athletic fantasy baseball podcast back with you on tuesday that'll be a whole different crew uh going through under the radar we'll have our usual show later in the week as well and then al and i back with you a week from now to talk fab and waivers rate review subscribe all that good stuff enjoy the rest of your weekend enjoy all the sunday action and good luck in all of your waiver bits As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.